Welcome to Crime Time. You're listening to Leonetti's Detection Selection. Welcome to Crime Time, a weekly podcast discussing all things crime, thriller, horror, suspense, and mystery fiction. This is episode 15, season 2. What? Who are you? I'm Eddie. And I'm Lee. What? Geniuses. So this week we're going to be talking about Megan Miranda's All the Missing Girls. We're going to be talking about P.D. James's Death of an Expert Witness. Oh, sounds hectic. And we're going to be discussing, you know, P.I.'s, protagonists, being in all the wrong places. At all the wrong or right times. Yeah. But let's jump straight into it. P.D. James. Classic. Absolute classic. I believe she is uh, often referred to as the queen of... UK crime. Is she still alive? I don't think so. Okay. I could be wrong. Yep. P.D. James, if you're alive, let us know. Get in touch, mate. Um, if you're not, don't get in touch. Ghosts <laughs> scare me. That is not okay. If I wake up in the middle of the night to P.D. James's ghost, I'm blaming you. <laughs> Just leaving like uh, alphabetized magnets messages on your fridge or something. I have those. You have? I know. That's, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm fucked, man. Oh, God. All right. So death of an expert witness. Lay it on me. All right. So you know what an expert witness is, yeah? I think so. So when there's like a criminal court hearing or something mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then an expert comes and testifies about a particular field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like if there's like a blood test or something uh, rather than like a forensic report. Yeah. Rather than expecting the jury who are a bunch of lay people mm. to understand the ins and outs of a forensic report, they bring in the forensic scientist who probably wrote that report. Mm-hmm. Uh, to explain what it means. I've seen it a lot, like in different cases. So like uh, gun patterns, Mm -hmm, blood mm -hmm, patterns, mm -hmm. things like that, right? Yeah, fully, fully. I feel like it's a pretty big feature of a lot of crime dramas, crime novels where you've got you've not just got solving the case you've got prosecuting the case yeah. as well yeah i feel like law and order is a really good example of that it really uh, feeds into this csi idea right yeah. dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so death of an expert witness is as you would think a one of these types of people a forensic scientist is murdered <sighs> In the lab. Oh, in the lab. In oh my the God. lab. Hang on. Hang on, listeners. I'm just looking at the front of this cover that Eddie's holding up. It caught my eye because it's yellow, which right. how often is a book yellow? I feel like, yeah, yellow. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's one of my favorite colors. Is it? But the front of the cover is a person in a lab coat in black and white laying face down on the floor with what looks like some kind of mallet. Yes. Mm. And you are looking, my good sir, at the murder weapon. Oh. Yeah. There was a mallet in the lab. Right, right. <laughs> I'd be really good at Cluedo, just saying. I reckon, yeah. Yeah. That's why we never play it. So I finished this book and I went to um, put it up on my Goodreads. And as I was doing it, I realized it's actually book six in a series. (gasps) And I, you know, I raised my arms to the sky (laughs) and knelt down and was like, no! Just a little bit of information. Eddie only likes to read things very much in order. Right? Yeah. You don't want to miss anything. Yeah, yeah. So the... Detective series is about Adam Dalgliesh and he I think as I was reading I was like who's this Dalgliesh guy why am I meant to know who he is and now you know and now I understand is I've missed 
some what? You've missed five books. I've missed five books. You've, mi- you've missed a lifetime. Right? <laughs> yeah, because he keeps like referring to all this stuff about how his like wife and child were like murdered or something like that. And I'm like, oh God, what? Because sometimes people just have a standalone novel where they have this imagined history where mm, they're just like mm. filling the reader in. But sometimes it's actually because there's been it's a whole lot of other book. books. Yeah, 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 fully. So guys, let me know. Should I go back to the start of P.D. James's Dalgliesh series? Is, is it is it worth it? Can I just say another thing? I don't really like it when writers do that, when it's a standalone book and they give you all this history that you're supposed to have known. Mm. I don't know. Because I feel like in the series, right, you have to make a couple of decisions. Either you introduce your principal characters in every single book, which means that people who read along are like, oh, God, Come it's on. this chapter again. Yeah. Like, I remember I read the Animorphs series mm-hmm. uh, as a as a wee bairn and every single I think second chapter would be like hi my name is this this happened this is what you know the framework of the story is and you could basically skip that chapter yeah and obviously it's a bit more heavy-handed because it was for um you know young young adult but I feel like the same kind of thing happens in a lot of series you know you'll have this kind of like I guess I should explain myself or like that kind of thing. You're going to be wondering how I got here. Right? Freeze frame. (laughs) So this doesn't have it. It just kind of goes along. I didn't really feel like I was missing out on too much having not read the other things, but maybe I was. I don't know. You can't know what you're missing. I honestly can't know. I do like a standalone book where someone has a history that I slowly find out about. Mm -hmm. You know, I think what springs to mind is that Sarah Bailey book that we reviewed uh, a few episodes ago, The Dark Lake. Don't get me raving about that. <laughs> um, for people that haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it and also pick up that book, Sarah Bailey, The Dark Lake. Yeah, it's pretty good. I would say some uh, cutting edge Australian crime fiction. The thing that I really like about Death of an Expert Witness is it starts out giving you everyone's motive for the crime. Right. So it hasn't happened yet, but you get the idea Like the back cover doesn't tell you who dies, but as you're reading the first couple of chapters, you get the idea of who's about to get knocked off. Yeah. Because he's a jerk. Yes. I was about to say, I knew it before you said it. (laughs) Right. I imagine it's like little vignettes of how this guy is being a jerk to everybody. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, So it starts out with another murder and because they're all forensic, you know, scientists of, of some kind and they all go out to the murder and there's like all of these interactions between all of the characters. You get a little bit of history about, uh, you know, who's new to the scene, who's not, what kinds of, you know, interpersonal issues there might be. Mm-hmm. And then the victim is knocked off and you are probably not particularly surprised that that's who it was. Yep. Uh, and then Dalgliesh arrives on the scene and sets about solving it. Mm-hmm. Now, those of you who follow us on Twitter probably know that I did not guess the end of this book because I was like, I don't know, I got to maybe, oh, like less than 50 pages to the end and suddenly everyone starts talking really cryptically about how they know who done it. They're like, oh, you know, I think we know. And then the other person's like, yes, indeed. But how do we prove it? And I'm like, (laughs) fill me in. I want to be in the click. Exactly. So I got excluded. I wasn't allowed to sit with Adam (laughs) Dogler. Yeah, I was just like, who? Who? What? What? 
Did you, on reflection, did you have enough information to solve it or nah? So it hinged on, and I don't think this is a spoiler, it hinged on the fact that one or more witnesses, not to the actual crime, but to people's alibis, Mm. uh, were not telling the truth. Ah. So maybe I'm just a bit too trusty. Yeah. So I was like, but who? We've got all this information (laughs) in everyone's cupboard. Everyone has an alibi. Right, right. And there's some great moments. Like there was uh, one guy, they couldn't prove his alibi because his alibi was that he was the pantomime horse in a Morris dancing, like, (laughs) performance. Right, yeah. And no one saw him. Right, (laughs) yeah. So obviously it's in the UK. Um, And no one saw him outside of the pantomime horse costume. (laughs) So they're like, well, we're pretty sure he was in the pantomime horse. But how are we going to prove it? How do we prove it? Was he out actually out doing a murder while someone else is in the pantomime horse? We don't know. I like this because I think I I listen to a lot of true crime as well. Mm -hmm. And often people's alibis don't hold up, but they don't know that until some way down the line. So introducing this idea of having these false alibis... Mm. I like it. You yeah, like it. yeah. No, it's not that I didn't like it. It's that I was tricked. You were tricked. I was bamboozled. You were bamboozled. <laughs> I do think that there were enough breadcrumbs. Mm. I don't think that the failure here is P.D. James. I think it's me. <laughs> um, how old is that book? Because it's it's yellow. No, I mean like the pages are yellow. Like I know if I smell that book, I know exactly what it's going to smell like. Come on, people. You know what I mean. When you go to an old library or any kind of library, you yeah. pick up an old book. Come on, let me smell it. Yeah, you can can smell it. So it's 1977, I think. I love that smell. (laughs) Uh, Uh, This is actually an intervention. You've got to stop smelling books. (laughs) Come on, is there anyone else out there that likes smelling books? Not in a weird way, just in like a... Everyone. I think everyone likes to smell a book. A new book smells really good. An old book smells great. I just think books, you know, they smell good. We like them. Yeah. Yeah. Although once I spilled like the oil from, what are those, vine? Domaris. Yes. Yeah. I, I spilled some Domaris oil all over this book. And then I was like, no, I have to return it to the library. Mm. So I was like wiping it down with like, I don't know, paper towels, yeah. trying to get this book dry. And I got it dry, but it still smelled very strongly of Domaris. Yes. So <laughs> if anyone has ever borrowed a book that smelled like Domaris, I'd like to apologize. Look, I know we didn't decide to talk about this before, but seeing as we're here. Right. Okay, so I think everybody may have had this experience where they um, drop or spill something on a book that's not theirs. Uh huh. So I borrowed a book from someone at work. Was it me? It wasn't. <laughs> it was like a supervisor. So someone above me. Right. And then the other day I was running down to get a coffee. No. They didn't have any lids for the coffee. Oh. So I was just like, they were like, do you mind if it doesn't have a lid? And I was like, I'm not a baby. Of course I can have oh it without God. a lid. Famous last word. Carried the coffee upstairs, spilt it all over my desk, spilt it all over the book. No. So I had to think really quickly, how am I going to fix this? Did the old wipe down. Yeah. But, you know, you can't really stop that brown coffee look from happening on the pages. And also I've dropped many a book in the bath, (laughs) right? And I have systems for that. So you just kind of like leave it out to dry and wear something heavy over the top. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I don't know. Is there any other tips or tricks that people have out there? I once saw a really great, I think it was either a video or like a photo of someone reading in the bath and they had a big bulldog clip on a string that came down and clipped onto their book yeah and it was From like the ceiling well it was like over the over the shower curtain oh, rail genius. right so and it was on um one of those retractable like kind a- of strings so the idea was that if you dropped the book it would just whoop, 
That is genius. Fly up into the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Maybe you should rig one of those up. I think I need to. Just read it while it's on the end of a fishing rod. That's a really... I could get someone to hold the fishing rod. <laughs> right. And feed you grapes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, P.D. James. P.D. James. I would give it three and a half mallets out of five. Cool. Yeah. That's a fair score. And let's be honest, the half mallet off is a bitter half mallet off because <laughs> I didn't guess it. Because you are bamboozled. Right? But yes, I do think that P.D. James structures things very well, lets out information at a very good sort of a pace. And I just think that she has a pretty good flair for, you know, real interactions. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll read a book and you'll be like, oh, these people are a bit too witty. These people are a bit too, I don't know, polished, Mm. if if that makes sense. Mm. So I I really appreciate it when an author really nails dialogue. Mm. I think that's one of the hardest things to nail, especially in uh, a realistic mode, which so much crime fiction is. Yeah, sometimes I'm reading books and I'm reading dialogue and I just think, nobody speaks like this. (laughs) Or maybe me and my friends just don't speak like this, but I don't think anyone speaks like this. Right? Someone someone write a novel with dialogue based off of Lee and I, because I think that'd be great. Like... Inspector Dalgliash was like, what? <laughs> that body BRB, is... mate. <laughs> right? <laughs> that corpse is D-E-D. <laughs> I read Megan Miranda, All the Missing Girls. Okay, and tell me about it. I think it's just recently come out. Maybe, yeah, this year, 2017. Right? Okay. It's a new one. Uh, so, just, I'll give you a brief rundown. Give me... The rundown. The main character is returning to her hometown. Okay. In the this States. Is, this is feeling familiar. Yeah, I know. I love it, right? <laughs> so that's why I was like, oh, yeah, this book sounds good. And when she was a teenager there, her friend disappeared. Oh, dang. Disappeared. Oh, my God. Did she come back and her friend's been kidnapped by Mothman? No, her friend disappeared when they were kids. Right, right, right. But I'm saying she comes back. She tries <laughs> to discover what happened, realizes that on the night her friend disappeared, Mothman was spotted on a bridge nearby, which collapsed. And then, turns out, her friend has been living with Mothman for the past 20 years. Oh my god, it's like you've read the book. Right? How did you know that? I'm just really good at guessing endings. Alright, I'm going to cut you off there and say that is not (laughs) what happened. But I look forward to your very own book. Thank you. It will be called The Mothman Chronicles. (laughs) The joke here is that this book already exists, right? (laughs) It's like Mrs. Dalloway, right? But Mothman. (laughs) I'm cutting you off. Alright, so... This main character, when she was a teenager living in the town, so it's like um, this small, I guess, kind of rural town in, like, middle America. Okay. I always use the term middle America, but I don't really know what it means. Guys, we've not been to the US. We only know anything about the US from TV, movies, and books. Stephen King. Right. Mostly just Stephen King. So <laughs> And Roseanne, the television yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... If we ever sound like we're talking out of our asses, we are. Because we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, some rural... I can only think about it in Australian terms, but if you're thinking about, you know, a rural town in, like, Victoria. Sure. So not much going on. Pretty dry, farmland, whatever. So uh, her friend goes missing when she's a teenager, and there's a few different characters. So there's a boyfriend that she had at the time. Uh They had separated, and that boyfriend was then dating the friend that disappeared. Oh, dang. Yeah. He done it. She had a she had a brother. She still has a brother. Right. And okay. she had a dad. Right. Right. They done it. Well, it the maybe the they, dad. Maybe they did. In in cahoots with Mothman. 
So she grows up, she's moved to the city, she's a journalist now. Okay. And she gets this letter from her dad in the mail and it says something along the lines, I, I know what happened to that girl. Oh my gosh. Or I know something about that girl. And she's like, dad, a phone call, an email, a text? Really? You sent a letter? <laughs> dad has dementia. <laughs> oh So shit. it was only in one of his clear moments that he wrote that letter and sent it to her. Wow. So we already know that a difficulty is going to be getting accurate information, which I think is a really cool plot twist that design. It, yeah. yeah. Uh, if someone literally doesn't have the capability of, of telling you what happened or remembering correctly. Right, yeah, for most yeah, yeah. Of that, for most of the time. Okay. Yeah, so she tries to stay away from that town, but after she got that letter from her dad, she's like, oh shit, I gotta go home. Yeah, dang. Yeah. So she returns to this small town. Her brother is packing the dad up and moving him to like a retirement home. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like, it's it's like a kind of sad, there's all these endings and whatnot. Right. Well, you know what they say? Every ending is a new beginning. That's a really good point. Yeah, I'm very yeah. inspirational. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she, she goes back and she has to revisit this town where she grew up, the, mm-hmm. the fact of her missing friend, the relationship she had with the people at that time, and she still has this like on-again, off-again feeling relationship with the ex-boyfriend. Right. Even though she has a fiancé in the city now. Oh, no. Yeah. Complicated. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's a good read. I think the bit that people found controversial Ooh. was the way that uh, Megan Miranda has written time, like okay. a time structure. Because this is something that I think crops up in a lot of mystery and a lot of that kind of real drama-based mystery is, is the idea of presenting your plot out of linear time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it does build tension, does. but I think sometimes it builds confusion. Yes. And I've, I've read a few articles on this book and some people are saying, oh, it was a little bit confusing. Other people are saying, I enjoy people playing with time in a new way because how many crime fiction books have been written, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So we need to be doing different things. I literally <laughs> build furniture out of my crime fiction books. <laughs> Come, Come out of that fort, Eddie. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> now bring me some more Stephen King. They're the most brick-shaped crime novels there are. Yeah. So, yeah, this book is really – it's a good read. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, what happens is it builds to about the mid- midway of the book and then there's some kind of revelation. Right. And then time counts backwards. Oh. Right? So instead of it just being all over the place, it builds and then it goes backwards. Back again. Right. Yeah. Give it a go. Three out of five. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You'll get it at all good – current retailers oh so check it out megan miranda all the missing girls well that sounds exciting i mean i'm into it i'm into it i like different structures of time Mm. i think that it can be really interesting the thing that i worry about with that is if it has this kind of climax in the middle how does she maintain tension after that point it's a good question it's a very good question guys if you have read this book tell me (laughs) eddie demands to know (laughs) i demand answers so i'm very interested about this topic that we're going to talk about next right so lee and i were talking before we started recording we were like what wonderful topic can we discuss today for our beautiful listeners i have a different version of how this conversation came to be right okay so i was at your house i was going through all your patricia cornwell books yeah but i was like more muscular than usual flexing right i actually have an eight pack yeah so i was just doing a hundred push-ups yeah and i was just looking through your patricia cornwell books and i was like maybe we could do a flashback to a patricia cornwell book and i couldn't quite pick the one i wanted to do and then you said 
How are there this many serial killers? Right? Because we've got a stack right now. They haven't gone back on the shelf. There's a good 20 or more books here on my table. And not all of them are serial killers, but a lot of them are. A lot of them, let's say serial killers slash weird killers. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, we were just thinking about it. Like, obviously, Patricia Cornwell's Case Carpetta series covers, like, about 30 years. Mm. So it kind of makes sense. But then we were like, you know, she works in crime solving, so it makes sense that she would have a higher-than-usual contact with this sort of thing. But she's not really, like, a cop. No. She's she's a medical examiner. Right? But she shouldn't be out investigating. Yeah. Alas, she is. But gosh, she comes into into touch with a lot of killers. And not just, you know, because I feel like she often talks about, Case Garpetta at least, talks about the way she is the last voice of these victims, right? Which yes. I think is really poetic and really, I don't know, it, it's, it's amazing and one of the things that keeps me reading these books. But She's doing justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only does she kind of come into contact with the, the victims she does actually have a higher than usual contact with the actual murderers yeah and they often they often get obsessed with her right i think that that's such a i mean i'm obsessed with her so i like you know she's she's great (laughs) but yeah there's a common thread here right and i think that might be case garpetta yeah i think that there's this kind of thing something that has frustrated me in recent years is the way everyone in these books just refuses to communicate and it often results in people being in really dangerous situations. Uh, I, I often talk about how I love thriller, crime fiction, suspense, mm, mm, mm. but it that <clears throat> genre quite heavily relies on people not communicating well. Right? And that just leads to all kinds of drama. It's so interesting because I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I was re-watching some old X-Files episodes, as one does. As one does. And... One of the things that happens again and again and again is they'll be like on the phone and one of them will see something that's off camera Mm. and they'll say, Mulder, I think you should get over here. Or Scully, there's something here. Yeah. And I just, for me, I understand the need to create tension. Like we're like, what is it? What is it? What did you see? Right? But if I were an FBI agent, a medical examiner, someone in the like kind of crime fighting world who is communicating to someone else what is going on, I might be like, you'd better get over here. There is a body. Or yeah. like, you better get over here. I see an alien. Like, you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. And also like, say you were texting me and you said, hey, Lee, this thing just happened. Come over. I'd be like, I can't wait until I get there. Can you just, I'm in such suspense. Right? Can you just tell me what happened? You'd be like, what is the thing? Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm not coming over until you tell me what the thing is. Exactly. And if it turns out to be John Carpenter's the thing, I'm not coming over. <laughs> yeah. It happens in the Sue Grafton novels as well. That's so true. Kinsey Malone our very favorite PI, mm-hmm. she is forever getting in these terrible scrapes. And you start to think like, you know, Sue Grafton, she's doing the entire alphabet. She's up to, what is it, like X? Uh, y is coming out. Ooh, I just saw it. It's already, hello. well, it's been written. It's ready to go, but Amazing. it hasn't dropped yet. Oh, mm. exciting. So yeah, she's all the way up to Y. Each of them chronicles something very intense yeah. happening to Kinsey <laughs> Malone. At a certain point, you have to be like, 
I don't think this is bad luck. I think this is maybe an attitude issue. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe it is Kinsey. Like, I get that she's like a private investigator, okay? Like, that is fair. But I feel like most private investigators, they sit in their car, they take pictures of cheating spouses. I hear it's just a lot of waiting in Right? Like they pee in bottles. They eat takeaway sandwiches. Exactly. I just think that the issue here is not the profession. (laughs) I think it might be Kinsey Malone. Similarly, very similar storylines in some case. Both have had their houses like blown up. Both have been like, like more than five times been the target of a killer right right and they're constantly going on dates with baddies like who it turns out that's the main baddie i i just (sighs) maybe they need a bit of therapy right (laughs) maybe (laughs) uh we joke we joke because we know that uh obviously the plot line it's fiction it's fiction (laughs) but it just oh gosh if that was me if that was me and i was like you know what i'd sit you down eddie and we'd have a chat (laughs) be like i'm opening a bookstore everyone can fuck off we just need to talk about your life choices (laughs) right Um, can you guys think of any other characters in ongoing um, series where the character, the main character, always has all this really bad stuff happening to them? Right, and you're just like, this is not bad luck, honey. This is this is a problem that is stemming <laughs> from you. Because I just think that there's this thing, like they're always like going in gung ho, like, oh, I'm not going to tell anyone. Yeah, I'm not going to tell anyone where I'm going. What? No. A number one, t- have a safety buddy. Right. Yeah. Have, have an investigatorial buddy. Someone like, needs to know where you are at all times. Right? Like, I have no connection with any kind of seedy underbelly or whatever, but I ask my friends to text me when they get home, <laughs> right? If they were like, I'm going to go rifle through this, like, uh, murder suspect's mail, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to sit across the road and just watch. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but when I drop you off at night, I wait until you go into your building. And look, that's fair because I could be in there breaking into my neighbor's mail. Exactly. And they could get really angry. <laughs> well, it's been real. Yeah. Guys, let us know who is the nosiest PI. Yeah. Who's, who's the nosiest crime fiction protagonist who just gets themselves in so many messes that you kind of cease to cease to sympathize. <laughs> like you're like, Miss Marple, get your nose out of that. Poirot, I I don't care how many little grey cells you're using. Sit down. Take a seat. Right? Um, you can catch us on Twitter at Crime Time Pod and a whole other range of places. Yeah, you can email us, crimetimepodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website and comment on this very episode, crimetimepod.com. Yeah. Have a great week. Have an excellent week. Stay out of trouble. Yeah, don't go through anyone else's mail. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, bye. Bye.